Welcome to Montague Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. So <clears throat> if you were wondering what the hell that was, uh, that is, that, that's basically leading from the news that I'm going to lead off with today, which is that uh, Marvel is starting a new podcast. And I don't know when it's going to be out. They haven't announced yet, but it's apparently going to be a bunch of Wolverine stories. It's going to be 10 half-hour episodes that were um, they were written by a guy who does a lot of DC comics. Um, it's uh, Ben Percy, and it's got the voice talents of Rich Armitage, uh, Scott Adsit, who's the bald guy in 30 Rock, the, the kind of tall, bald guy, and he's in Mr. Show. I don't know. You would know him if you saw him, probably. And Bob Balaban are doing voices. It's a fucking weird project, but I was like, that's kind of cool. They're getting into like telling podcasting stories now. And you could tell they're feeling comfortable about like this Fox deal going through because they feel comfortable enough to start a new podcast with Wolverine. So that's, I guess so. Yeah. That's stories they can steal for the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Although I guess Wolverine's dead in the X-Men universe, but it's a matter of time before they reboot him. Right. Or we get X-23. Right. Right, provided that somehow Fox gets stuck holding the bag, but I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, so I thought that was kind of weird, and then I fell down a rabbit hole and found all sorts of stuff out about Marvel's previous audio ventures. So for a while, they did a Fantastic Four radio show in 1975. They did 13 episodes. Guess who played the, the Human Torch? Bill fucking Murray. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is really weird. I went looking for clips and just did like quick listening things. You can tell it's Bill Murray, but it's not really funny. So <laughs> there, there wasn't anything like it was, it was that level of hokey where it's not like hokey enough to laugh at, but it's definitely hokey enough to, um, to be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> but then that also led me down to, uh, finding the, that album that we played from that is, a song called Peter Parker and Spider-Man. And it's, it's about Peter's struggle about how nobody knows that he's Peter Parker and he has to become Spider-Man like, <laughs> and how sad it makes him feel. But it's from an album called Spider-Man Rock Reflections. <laughs> and the back album, which I'll use as the cover, features, uh, it shows 
what everybody did on the album and and so it shows spider-man singing luke cage on bass silver surfer on keyboards the fantastic four on backup vocals conan and the barbarians on strings captain america on percussion incredible hulk on drums black panther on electric guitar thor on trumpet and falcon hand claps (laughs) (laughs) you know i think they uh Missed an opportunity with Thor on percussion. Yeah. <laughs> well, he has a really great drum solo in another song. There's this one song that's just like crazy. It's not like necessarily funny to listen to, but it's like it's got it's it's got Doctor Octopus, and at some point he makes the Black Panther a go-go dancer. Like I don't quite understand how it happens, but it's it is bizarre, man. It's absolutely bizarre. And then that led me into like listening to these old Spider-Man records that they record recorded that weren't music. They were like kind of read along to the book things. Uh, it's, it's craziness, dude. <laughs> it's great. The, the web shooter noise are fantastic. It's like, like that. <laughs> like it's so fucking weird, but, uh, yeah, so that was a weird rabbit hole that I fell down today that consumed about an hour and a half of my time. <laughs> That is a strange rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, anyway, getting back to news, Margot Robbie is working on a script for a Harley Quinn movie that is not Gotham City Sirens, The Joker and Harley Quinn, or Suicide Squad 2. But she confirmed that all of them may get made or none of them may get made. Like <laughs> It's all up in the air. But they're juggling a bunch of Harley Quinn properties right wow. now. Yeah, so I think DC has no idea what they're doing. If that wasn't already evident, <laughs> it should be very evident by that. So I found a weird little rabbit hole the other day. It was uh, there's a new anime coming out of Japan. It's a uh, the Ninja Batman one. Batman Ninja. Yep. Yeah, it's fucking weird looking. Did you see the trailer for that? Yes. It's really. Why weird. don't you break it down for us? So. Somehow Batman Batman ends up in uh, feudal Japan, like Age of the Samurai, and it's the time is run by the warlord uh, Joker, and I can't remember the rest. God of District Six or something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, it looked utterly insane, and definitely <laughs> anime. So. I don't know. It looked insane sub, enough where I might subtitle. check it out. Yeah, in <laughs> subtitle. It looked insane enough where I might check it out, though. Like, I do have a soft spot for insanity in my animation, so. Yeah, and they really played up the insanity with the Joker, at least in the trailer I saw. Yeah. Um. So, let's get to the unpleasant part. The, the first part was a primer just to feel good for a minute. Now we're going to feel like shit for a minute, and then we'll build it back up. But, um... Dustin Hoffman, who you might remember, groped a couple of girls and admitted to it. Uh, he wound up doing a uh, 20th anniversary screening for Wag the Dog, and John Oliver was hosting it, and John Oliver did not let him off the hook. I, there was a little bit of video of it, and I tried to watch it, but you couldn't really hear it because the audio quality was so bad, but there was a bunch of stuff that was transcribed from it, and basically John Oliver was... 
he was grilling him about it. And uh, Dustin Hoffman was saying that he felt like he was being attacked at the thing. And John Oliver's like, well, nobody speaks to power. And I would have hated myself if I left and, and wasn't honest with you. And apparently it went on for over a half hour. Like John Oliver went back and forth with Dustin Hoffman about it. So wow, it seemed like Dustin Hoffman was pretty um, non-apologetic about the whole thing. And uh was basically trying to infer that it wasn't true, even though he already admitted to it in the statement. And uh, John Oliver was just not letting him off the hook. So good on you, John Oliver. Yeah. But man, that must have been an uncomfortable thing. <laughs> they said like the theater split in half, basically. And there was a bunch of women that were yelling, go John and stuff like that. And then like there was a, a bunch of people that were booing too when he was asking questions. And then apparently by the end of the night, a bunch of people went over to Hoffman's side, but <laughs> it's craziness, man. I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand why Dustin Hoffman even got on that stage, to be honest. I just don't think he understands the sea change that's happening right now because he did a really shitty thing. And I think about that, like if, if I did that stuff and then I got out in the public, I would not want to be anywhere near a microphone no. for a long time, if ever again. And uh, apparently Dustin Hoffman didn't get that message or didn't understand it. So that's why you don't grow up women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor 1985 man. Dustin Hoffman. Come on. <laughs> uh, I was reading today, uh, Netflix officially, fired danny masterson that was the next thing on my list <laughs> yeah um it's really shitty the way it went down how how deep into it did you read because i had to read a couple articles i to just get, read headlines i didn't yeah. actually read the articles so i read a couple articles to sort of get a complete story and basically um a netflix a netflix executive said in public that he didn't believe danny masterson raped anybody and there was a big outcry about that. The very next day, he was written out of the next season of The Ranch. Um, right now, three women are accusing him of rape. And it's becoming a big story again because the LAPD is investigating him because they think that he's involved in a Scientology cover-up for the rapes. Because apparently, when all of these... Ha when all of these happened, it was like at parties where there was science, like it was all Scientologists in the room. And so they think there's just this big massive cover up. But one of the women um, <clears throat> who accused him said that like, she got sent to like a Scientology debriefing center or whatever they call them. And basically told her that like he made a mistake and that he was fine and she needed to not worry about it and not press charges or else, they were going to excommunicate her from everybody, whatever their version of that is. But basically, we're, she's not allowed to talk to anybody in the Church of Scientology anymore, which is one of their big powerful tools that they use to control yep. people there. So a uh, pretty shitty situation all around. Um, makes it more difficult that the most litigious people in the world are involved in it. So, yeah. Anyway, and then even shittier... Um, well, actually, I like this, but, like, the context around it is probably shitty. So, uh, Brian Singer was fired from directing Bohemian Rhapsody due to unprofessional behavior. You might recall a couple of weeks ago I said I wasn't going to go to Bohemian Rhapsody because Brian Singer directed it. And uh, I had remembered some stuff from the past, and I know it got settled in court, but it made me sort of second-guess it. Um, 
let me just break down all of this for you really quick because I did a fucking deep dive, dude. I started looking at this. The story broke last night, and I started reading it, and I just went and art- I would read something, and I'd be like, huh, what's up with that? And then I would like find another article about that. I was diving back into articles that were written in 1997. Like, wow. Trying to get because nobody was really. It, it's going to happen. It's already. I looked at it a little bit today, and people are already starting to uncover more stuff. But like, there's a lot of stuff that's just sitting on the internet that people aren't paying attention to right now. But uh, so this fight where, where he got fired, uh, it may have involved him fighting with Rami Malik, who's playing Freddie Mercury, um, and he hurled something during an argument with him. Uh, Tom Hollander quit the movie. He was playing the manager. And after Singer was fired, they they brought him back to finish the movie. They convinced him to come back. And uh, it may have also involved the fact that he left at Thanksgiving and just never came back and said that he was trying to tend to an ill parent to the press. But, yeah, that's not what Fox is saying either. So that that could go either way because we've seen with Fox before. If you remember the whole Josh Trank thing going down with the Fantastic Four movie, there is two entirely different sides to that story. But it sounded like Fox, they had Brian Singer on pay to play. Like they had a relationship with him for a long time. When his, when his deal ran out, they had him on a three picture pay to play deal. And this was the third picture. So they just like, they had him clear out his offices and everything. And he's done at Fox now. So, um, <clears throat> but Brian Singer's claiming that uh, not only was he going to take care of a sick parent, but he said that he got PTSD from all the fights on the set, which sounds bullshit to me, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but a lot of this is speculation that maybe it's because people are starting to like bring up that he's probably a sexual predator and that's coming out in the news. And so I wanted to like, talk about some of the stuff that I sort of uncovered last night just to go back over this. Cause I remember Zach mentioning it a couple of years ago and I was like, Oh really? And, and sort of read this really in-depth article. <clears throat> and, uh, when I stopped hurrying and Brian Singer was when the guy dropped the suit, but then I learned more last night. So, uh, <clears throat> so apparently the F- G- Gabriel Byrne just said, today um i did not honestly know the extent of his violence talking about kevin spacey when he was filming the usual suspects with brian singer and him and he said i mean he was kind of a joke in that people would say that's kevin but nobody really understood the depth of his predations it was only years later that we began to understand that filming was closed down for a particular reason and that was because of inappropriate sexual behavior by spacey so he's saying that like the actors found that out later that like for a while of that movie, it was shut down. It was because Kevin Spacey was, you know, being inappropriate. So singer was directing that. Keep that in mind, like yeah. directing Spacey and they had to shut that down. Um, so this is the article I pulled from 1997. It was an entertainment weekly article and it was talking about how three minors filed the lawsuit sta- stating that Brian Singer forced him to film a shower scene naked for apt pupil. The singer found out that, that, um, or found out the news while filming and left the set. It was, the case was later dismissed from a lack of evidence, but you know, a, a lot of this stuff is, is hard to prove. There's one kid that was just saying that um, he refused to do it. He wasn't told they should do it. All the parents said that they were not told that their kids were going to be naked in the thing. And he said that he had a permit so that they could 
be naked, but they pointed out it was against state law anyway. But apparently there wasn't proof. I don't know. But um, one of the kids who refused to, like, get naked, the other two did, I guess. And the kid who refused, they basically, they just gave him shit on the set the whole time, like, pushed him up, like, had him off of the set and just made him feel horrible the whole time about it. Um, so then later in 2014, in May, Michael Egan um, dropped a lawsuit against him. But the lawsuit... Uh, was basically um it, it was saying that he was raped at a party essentially and this whole article came out about how he's having all these parties and he would have handlers come over and like check the ages of um boys like to invite them to the party and they were supposed to be 18 to 20 but like they didn't really care if they were younger than 18 and uh he wound up dropping the lawsuit um, and had to apologize to two two other executives who were accused with Singer in court. Um, Egan, who was the accuser, was sentenced to two years for charges of conspiracy to commit securities and wire fraud. Um, then in May 2014, so same month, uh, this guy named John Dode, number 117, like he, he yeah. kept anonymous still, but... He filed the suit against him saying he was raped when he was 17 right after the premiere of Superman Returns. He withdrew the lawsuit two months later. So um, we don't know why he withdrew the lawsuit, but if you're doing, if you're sort of tabulating this, there was accusations from three kids. They wound up dropping, like they, there wasn't enough evidence to like take him to court. Like Kevin Spacey had a movie shut down. He winds up working with him again in Superman Returns. Which is pretty fucked up when you think about it. This person is like acting sexually inappropriate and you bring him back for like the second lead in your movie. That's kind of insane, right? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense unless you have a habit of doing the same kind of shit that the person, you know, who is accused of it is doing. And that's, that's kind of the point I'm getting to is like where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's an awful lot of smoke around Brian Singer right now. So uh, fuck you, Brian Singer. I I hope everything goes horrible for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a pleasant deep dive last <laughs> night, but I wanted to get as much facts as I could. And I mean, you guys can look all this stuff up online and probably get way more details. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, but it's pretty messed up. Most of the stuff I read. Um, so I wanted to review, like, get a little bit of happier. Um, so we went to Coco this weekend. Have you seen Coco yet? No. So it's really, really good. It's the newest Pixar movie. And uh, it I, I really had no idea what I was walking into. I saw no commercials for it. I didn't know anything except for it kind of involved the Day of the Dead. But I didn't really know anything. It was really enjoyable, man. It's, it's basically a story of a kid who... um, it's It's on the Day of the Dead. And he wants to play music and his family has this whole hang up about like way back and like his great grandmother, I think, um, not even be great, great grandmother. She, she was, she had a musician that she was in love with and like had a kid with, and then he went off to play music and left her and she started a shoe company. So his whole family is in the business of making shoes and that's what they do. And the kid wants to play guitar and he really looks up to this uh, 
guitarist and uh who who had like died a long time ago but and so he goes into this tomb and he steals his guitar because his grandmother breaks his guitar at one point and uh and he wants to go in like a talent competition and play it and then he gets cursed because he steals from the dead and so he goes i don't know i don't remember what they call it but let's just call it the land of the dead (laughs) for lack of better terms and uh it's just really joyful, dude. I I actually I think I like it more than I've liked any other Pixar movie. Like it was really upbeat. It was really fun. I couldn't pick out a single white voice in that entire thing. Like there's a lot of people I recognize that were all like Latinos or Latinas like doing the voices. So I thought that was kind of cool. Cheech Marin had a very little part, but I remember watching that and I was like, they're probably grasping for every celebrity they can. And I was like, I wonder if Cheech is going to show up. Sure enough, dude, (laughs) Cheech is a border guard. (laughs) Uh, And uh, they they had the lady from uh, orange is the new black who did, did you get to the season where they're um, where they wind up, uh, they sort of they they hold the prison hostage like the inmates do no okay well never mind but it's one of one of the ladies in the in that group is in it um it's just it's really good i don't want to get into too much detail because i don't really want to spoil anything about the movie but i highly recommend it It's it's a really good watch i think it's really touching um it's really funny there's a dog in there that's exactly like mira like exactly like Mary in every way, uh, except for the growling at, at strange men that show up way, but every other way <laughs> dog is like my dog who tries to ruin the podcast with much diligence every single week. <laughs> you might've heard her nails on the floor just now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, uh, have been really kind of not wanting to see that movie. Just because they stole a lot of the premise from the movie, The Book of Life, they did not. I I, I saw The Book of Life. They did not. That's kind of what I thought too. No, it's a whole different story. It just involves the Day of the Dead. That's it. Like it's really not the same story. I promise. <laughs> I know you're looking at me with a lot of doubt, but I've seen the day of the dead and it is not the same story. I, that's kind of what I thought was like, why would you do that? Like you're just retraining. It's not, it's just the same holiday. That's it. Like, it's really a different story. And there's a lot of twists and turns that I didn't get into because I think it's better to go on with the fresh set of eyes, but I promise you it's a really good movie. You're just going to have to take my word for it. <laughs> Cause I'm get I'm guessing you're not gonna sit through it. <laughs> uh, probably not. Yeah, I mean you don't have little kids anymore, so it's probably not something where you have to anymore. But uh, I I had a kid that really wanted to go. I had two kids that really wanted to go, so yeah, I was there, and <laughs> I enjoyed it. Like Pixar, constantly they they do a good job. So it was shitty seeing John Lasseter's face really big on the screen. Not face, but his uh, title credit. So that wasn't cool. But yeah, what do you do? Brian Fuller, <laughs> who's been making a lot of headlines lately because he left Star Trek Discovery to go do American Gods. Uh, so now he's leaving American Gods to go do Amazing Stories because he already had that in the works. So it's just... <sighs> 
I would I would not hire him anymore. Like he's clearly talented, but the dude just cannot stay. He's having creative. He's had he's had creative differences over all of these shows, and so I don't know. Is that somebody you sound like you would want to work with? That sounds like something somebody you bring on for a very short time because you don't because you know they're not sticking around. Yeah, it's a, he started with Star Trek Discovery and then got in fights with CBS and wound up leaving. And he was scheduled to do American Gods at the same time. Then when he got American Gods, he signed up for Amazing Stories, and now he's leaving American Gods over creative differences. It's just like, dude, <laughs> this looks like a pattern to me. <laughs> I don't know, but Hannibal was a really great show. I really like that. I've heard good things about Pushing Up Daisies, but I never saw that. But I don't know. That's that's three shows in a pretty short amount of time. That's three shows in less than a year. Yeah. And you know, it's I don't know. I don't understand what's what's going on cuz and I haven't seen much of either of those shows, but I know they're well received. Yeah. So I don't see what cuz uh anything they Pulling on or jumping on to next, I mean, it's probably going to be well received, but it seems like he just doesn't. It's not like he's leaving something that's garbage. Like, it kind of reminds me of Terry Gilliam in a way. Like, Terry Gilliam's super. I had that thought when you were yeah, talking. Yeah, super talented, but just can't help but clash heads with people. I don't know, but um, <clears throat> now that's some great news. I'm super happy about this. Have you heard that Quentin Tarantino pitched a Star Trek idea to J.J. Abrams, and now they're assembling a writer writer's room to develop the new Star Trek movie? That is interesting. Yeah, and he it's not for sure yet, but he may or may not direct it. So, But he's definitely involved in the writing process, so that's fucking awesome. And I keep reading this stuff like, well... There, all these people are like, oh, well, it's going to be a Star Trek movie where you have lots of swearing and violence and stuff. It's like, no, it's Quentin Tarantino. Like, I know that your go-to is like, oh, it's going to be super violent and, and, and all of that. But Quentin Tarantino is a nerd's nerd. Like, yeah. he knows he knows his stuff and he knows it well. And I don't think he would put out a Star Trek movie where, like... <laughs> Where like people are just like holding phasers to the side and like <laughs> blowing each other's heads off and Mexican standoffs. Like that's not gonna happen. Like this is a dude who knows his stuff and he's a Star Trek fan. So I I don't know. I think it's, people are. It's really interesting because we haven't seen anything sci-fi out of Tarantino, other than uh, Kill Bill opens up with revenge is a dish best served cold and then he quotes it as a klingon proverb (laughs) it's probably the closest we've gotten to sci-fi from quentin tarantino but um i actually heard an interview with him a while ago um on the nerdist talking about that they asked him if he'd ever do a star wars movie because you know they're opening it up to so many directors and he said he'd be more interested in doing a star trek movie and I could so, see that from him. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it would be right up his alley. If you'd listen to him talk for like 15 minutes, he would realize, you know. But uh, he's and 
basically his idea in the podcast, like this is just off the top of his head. I have no idea if this is what he's going to do or not. But he said uh, he would like to to take something like The City on the Edge of Forever, which is a really famous Star Trek episode that involves time travel. And uh, he would like to take that and then turn it into feature length and like explore areas that they couldn't explore, you know, and, and you're, 45 minutes that you have for a show and uh and then he also sort of went off on uh i think it was yesterday's enterprise which is a star trek the next generation episode and like if that's his starting point like <laughs> if, if he is taking a script and expanding on it that's a great script to do so if you remember this episode um like you watch next generation right a little bit. Like, I, I realize you're not, like, super fan or anything, but you might recognize this episode because it's one of the, the bigger ones. Um, so, basically, they see this flash, and then all of a sudden, their uniforms tweak slightly, and uh, and Guinan's the only one who remembers what's going on, like Whoopi Goldberg's character. or She, she realizes that stuff's not quite right, but they've had a war with the Romulans for, a, for like, 100 years. And uh, it was supposed to end 20 years before that, but nobody knows, like, remembers that, but Guinan really. And uh, Tasha Yar had already died on the show, and she's suddenly back in a uniform. And basically, the whole episode hinges around there's an Enterprise that, like, the, the previous model of Enterprise disappeared 20 years earlier in this timeline, and the Romulan Wars still happened, and they figure out that they have to send that enterprise back in time to right where they're at and they're going to die, but they're going to hold off the Romulans just enough to where it ends the war. And so they have to go back realizing that they're going to die. And one of their crew members dies. And so they can't really helm the ship. Right. And so Tasha Yara goes back with them because she realizes that she doesn't like, she's not supposed to be there. Like she realizes she's out of time and she was supposed to die. So she goes back with them. And then that sets it up way later where like they're fighting this Romulan commander. And this is like years later in the show. But she looks exactly like Tasha Yar because it's her daughter. She's like half Romulan, half human. So <laughs> like it was a it was a pivotal episode for the show, but and Tarantino really kind of talked about that and what a great concept that would be for a movie if you really fleshed it out and went a few more places with it. So if that's his idea, I'm fucking on board. But if he has another idea, I'm still on board because that series like I like Star Trek Beyond, but it didn't seem to grab everybody and they could use a shot in the arm. Like Tarantino is a shot in the arm. Like that yeah. guy's a great writer, so um, I like this idea. What What do you think? You know, I think that uh, the way Tarantino has just a really good concept of writing, and he can take something. I mean, he, I mean, he took a western story and ma- made it his own. I mean, he's done that with a lot of different genres, and you know, I think. He's got a big enough grasp on sci-fi that he could really make something really interesting out out of a Star Trek property. So yeah, and I think maybe Tarantino's getting into the phase where he just wants to do 
some but maybe maybe he wants to be folded into a big franchise and show that he can work that way you know like that's where cinema's going so he just got like a giant fucking contract for his his 10th movie so you know I've heard him say before he only wanted to do 10 movies. I don't know if that's actually the case or not, but if that is the case, that's a good way to keep working if you don't want to direct anymore is just, you know, helm a franchise from behind the scenes. It's not a bad deal. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably a lot of money involved in it, I would think. And I'm interested in seeing it. I don't know. I like Tarantino. I think he's got interesting takes on things, so. Yeah, so... Tarantino movies there is one movie I haven't seen and one movie I don't care much for the rest is all golden in my book which one have you not seen I haven't seen Hateful Eight. Oh man it's on Netflix right now I think I know. okay <laughs> I was about to rewatch it today but I realized I didn't have time <laughs> and I it's probably one of those that I'm gonna have a six pack of beer and Saturday night and watch run through that it does seem like a divisive one people either seem to really like it or really hate it i've noticed so i don't know and then jackie brown's probably the one i didn't care much for i like jackie brown but it's i get why people don't like it it's a really slow pace it's there was just nothing that really i grabbed onto and i mean i don't mind a slow-paced movie but it just there wasn't anything that was just held my interest really and i mean the rest of his movies are great yeah yeah i'm pretty much a fan of everything at this point um probably the one i li- liked the least was uh the one in grindhouse um Oh, uh, Death Proof? Yeah, Death Proof. Yeah, that one wasn't great either. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fine. I don't know. People were pretty rough on it, but I thought it was fine. I just, it it didn't really grab me at any point. Jackie Brown, the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, huh. And then I watched it again, and I was like, like years later, and I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, it hit me differently. And uh, I've watched it two or three times since then in the last couple of years, and I really like it now. But that might be because I watch a lot more 70s movies now, and they're like, it has that pace. It's a very specific pace to the 70s that's very slow. And I think that's that jars a lot of people with that movie because it's just like, I think a lot of people are waiting for something to happen, but that movie, it, it doesn't, like, it, it has it has the time that it works within and it, it doesn't work with you on that. Like yeah. you have to, you know, and accept I it. think, cause I've only seen it once mm-hmm. and I was probably stoned. <laughs> yeah. I think we might've seen it together on video. Honestly. Well, I remember watching it with my wife. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. I remember watching it back when it first came out on video and I was just kind of like, eh, you yeah. Got, yeah. And, and then, and so I remember watching it, and not just being really excited by it, and so I haven't revisited it yet. Yeah, that's fair enough. I gave it a rewatch like maybe 10 years later, and I was like, oh, I like this now. But, I mean, I watch a lot of 70s cinema, so there is that. <laughs> I should couch it with that. I do. I am very much fine with the, a slow-paced movie. So, uh, let's see. Last bit of news I have here. So, 
Ryan Johnson, everybody's been grilling him like crazy over the new trilogy. So um, he had to clarify some comments on it. Um, he said that his idea for the entire set of movies is uh, that he came up with will not involve the old Republic. So there's a lot of speculation. There was these old Republic games that took place way in the past of Star Wars. That's not going to happen for sure. He directly addressed it and said, no, it's going to be something completely different. Even the stuff that's knocked out of canon, like this is something different than any of that. So um, he also said that he's going to for sure write and direct the first movie. He's unsure of whether he'll write the scripts and direct the two following it, but he is definitely coming up with the overarching story and doing the first movie. So, so we know his role in it for sure now, um, or what he knows anyway. But those other two movies, not as certain. I would bank that they might bring in another director, at least for the middle one, because banging out three Star Wars movies in a row does not seem like it would be easy. <laughs> no. Like, there's, I mean, like, a movie every other year, sure, you can do that. But, like, a Star Wars movie every other year, whew, that's got to be rough. Because it's not just the movie. It's like dealing with all the publicity and uh, just keeping everything quiet. And and also just like, I, I don't know, is Ryan Johnson British? I don't think he is. So it's also like living in Great Britain for like six years as well. That, you know, I think mentally it would be really difficult to be under the microscope for that long because... Everything that, when a Star Wars movie comes out, I mean, the fans scrutinize everything. Yeah. So, I mean, that alone's got to be mentally tough. Dude, they scrutinize it to an insane degree. There was people that were looking at uh, Finn's diagnosis bay in the first trailer and looking at the symbols and trying to translate what the symbols said. <sighs> That's fucking crazy. Like, I understand there might be an Easter egg hidden in there, but that's, like, crazy that people go to that level. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was just, like, a two-second flash of the thing in the trailer. Yeah. It, I mean, that is the kind of stuff, like... So, I mean, it you got to bring your A-game for a Star Wars movie, and three in a row might be really tough to do. Yeah. George Lucas couldn't handle it. <laughs> Because he did, he did A New Hope, and then he handed off Empire to Irvin Kirshner, and I don't remember who did Jedi, but it was a different guy. And then uh, he did the three prequels, and that was clearly a mistake <laughs> <laughs> on every level. <laughs> that was a mistake. But um, here's a little piece of, of trivia you might not have known. Do you know that with Return of the Jedi, um, and I'm trying to remember the director's name, but the guy who did... Uh, um, Lost Highway and Twin da- Peaks. David, David Lynch. Lynch, yeah. They tapped David Lynch to be the director of Return of the Jedi originally. Boy, that would have been a dark movie. <laughs> <laughs> it would I dark or just weird. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, Luke would have like gone to like find Vader and suddenly seen himself but then they just would have like had a beer and like had a whole conversation started making out with himself <laughs> yeah 
It just would have been strange. Is what I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is incapable of making a movie not strange. Even The Elephant Man is his most straightforward movie. I love that movie. I watch it every couple of years since I was a kid. It's a great movie. It makes me cry every time, but like happy tears. I don't know. It's, a, it's weird that way. But there's like these certain little montages in between where it's just like fucking bizarro, like David Lynch. And you're like, wow, you had to at least get like three minutes of your filmmaking into this movie, didn't you, David? <laughs> you got to put go, your own stamp on it. Yeah. Couldn't just totally make it straight. So did you know uh, Return of the Je- Jedi was originally Revenge of the Jedi? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, and Wrath of Khan was Revenge of Khan, and they both changed it to not use Revenge because the other one was using it, <laughs> and then neither of them used it. <laughs> God, Wrath of or Revenge of Khan just doesn't. It it would probably be fine. Like if you didn't know better, it would be fine. But Wrath is so much cooler. It's just a cooler. It is word. a cooler word, and it just works so much better and return of the jedi makes more sense for return of the jedi because revenge jedis aren't supposed to seek out revenge yeah so that title just didn't make sense anyway you know that would be the i think they were both better choices yeah yeah fortunately they both went with revenge so that neither of them went with revenge because revenge <laughs> was not a dish best served cold which is a klingon proverb as we learned, <laughs> as we learned from tarantino <laughs> dovetail back to the tarantino there um what do you think is going to be in in uh the new jedi movie the last jedi i don't know i i think my brain's just not processing it so i can go into it f- pretty fresh yeah because i've seen especially when i was watching the uh crisis on earth x last week because they dropped two basic tv spots two different tv spots during that Mm -hmm. and both of those i was like ooh, interesting and then my brain's like we're not gonna delve any deeper than that because i don't (laughs) want to (laughs) we're done (laughs) brain you're done you're cut off (laughs) but i mean we're just just over a week away from premiere i know (laughs) i i was watching the international trailer for for the last jedi today and i was just watching with my headphones on with the computer and i just put down my headphones went woo 10 days away (laughs) i went crazy (laughs) I was very excited, especially because I want to get barbecue when I watch it. Barbecue? Yeah. Uh, Bad Betty's, which is a barbecue joint in town, they're throwing this private party, and I got a ticket to it through the through my work. So Nice. Yeah, so I'm going. I only had one, so I'm going without my family on opening night and getting like a brisket and then watching... Yeah, The Last Jedi. I can't wait, dude. That That's the perfect way excellent. to watch it. I hope I don't fall asleep during the movie. Get some meat sweats while you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to get on and order some tickets for Friday night for the fam, I think. I can't believe I just said fam. The fam. I hate myself right now. <laughs> Are you a millennial now? <laughs> no. I'm still a zennial. 
tried and true, yo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the bridge of two worlds. We're both analog and digital. That's right. (laughs) We're the analog digital generation. We understand that it's important to like use film sometimes, but sometimes digital is just easier, baby. It just depends. Yeah, we've we've seen like some of the great that can come out of analog, but we realize that you could take a shit ton of digital pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to throw out a plug really quick. I, I want to plug movies with wrestlers because that show is firing on all cylinders and it's very entertaining. But I also want to plug Real Roulette because I just like dropped an episode on Friday uh, for Deep Blue Sea. And it's a great episode. It's really a great episode. I had fun making it. And uh, it was a fun movie to cover for it. So I feel like you're wrong on the Bechdel test on that. Yeah. So I I was going back and forth about this because I feel like if a lady shouts one thing to another lady, it doesn't count as a conversation. No, I feel like uh, that's not the what I was talking about. Okay. It was... Uh, Skarsgård's wife talking with the uh, the main villainess, I guess. Man, I don't even remember Skarsgård having a wife. Yeah, she was the one that ended up sacrificing herself when they were crossing the little ladder bridge. She didn't sacrifice herself. She Whatever. <laughs> Aaron was wrong about that. She just fell off the thing. He even admitted it. <laughs> Yeah, she she went out screaming, dude. <laughs> there was no sacrifice. I, I I could be wrong. I didn't catch anything. So. That would be the only like, because she was the only other like, because there were what three women on the base. Like, there was Ada Totoro who plays Janice Soprano and the Sopranos. Yeah, the there was a lady scientist. There was the blonde lady who fell into the water and got eaten by a shark. And then the shark leaps up and throws her corpse at him, which still <laughs> the fact that the shark leaped up still makes no sense to me that the shark didn't jump over the fence. Yeah. That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't pull pull threads on that movie because they fall apart real <laughs> it falls apart real fast. <laughs> What'd you think? I there's this really embarrassing moment in the podcast where I realized she's like she's on a table. Um, the the lady scientist she's on a table and she's standing on a wetsuit, but it's all wet, and she's doing it to not get electrified. But when I was watching it, I thought that she was standing on it to try and get a boost, which makes no sense. But nothing in this movie makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it has a shark like turning on an oven to try and murder somebody. So yeah. <laughs> That's the best part of that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. I I did enjoy it for sure. It wasn't as bad as I hoped it would be, which was kind of a bummer. I thought it was going to be real bad and it wasn't. It was like acceptable. It was just an acceptable movie, but it had maybe three really great scenes in it that were really fun. Like Samuel Jackson getting eaten for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's was really number fun. one. Yeah, the the shark turning on the oven to kill a person and then him jumping from the fireball was really fun. And then the shark blowing up from the car battery was really fun because it's so ridiculous. Like, yeah. 
the, uh, the other scene I guess I Scar re- got, Scar's guard being thrown in the window was a lot of fun too because this is just stupid dude <laughs> it is really stupid but like it was really great because they had the great close up of his face like fuck <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry guys Scar's guard out <laughs> <laughs> the other scene I really liked is at the very end when uh it's uh Thomas Jane and uh LL Cool J and they like crawl out of the water and they're sitting there like legs dangling over the edge and they're like they give each other's look and they both like put their feet up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a dumb movie. <laughs> but it was fun all the same. Uh I didn't hate it. It was fine. Um, but th- like I said, there's like a couple of, of great scenes in it. Like there's a couple of legitimately great scenes. Samuel L. Jackson monologuing <laughs> and getting eaten was great. I love that scene long before I ever saw that movie. Thank you, YouTube. Cause <laughs> I've seen that a few times. So, <laughs> well, this is probably a good place to cut off unless you got anything else. I don't. All right. So take it easy and respect the outro.
Movies with Restless? Green Lantern's Light? ASL Adventures? Interdimensional Exchange Association? Is this yours? No, your I... Your mother said she found them on your phone. I don't know. A guy must, must have, have... what? Look, Dad, they're not mine. Alien Movie Project? We Had a Good Life? Montucky Skies? Real Roulette? Where'd you get it? Dad... Answer me. Who taught you how to listen to this stuff? You alright? I learned it by watching you! Parents that use podcasts have children that use podcasts. Brought to you by the partnership of the Not Safer Network.